unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush, the one and only when they met, when they made me, they broke the mold. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It is Christopher Roush, your no excuses coach, back here with a brand new episode of the Raw and Unscripted show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. What's going on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. every single week here at the video cast. Also on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can get them on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart. I'm everywhere. All you got to do is type in raw and unscripted with Christopher Roush and you will find me. You will find me. You will find my website. You will find everything about me. So if you're digging this show, if you've been a long time viewer of the show, please, please hit me up. Uh, I'm going to put that in the comments uh, for you guys to subscribe to the show. That way we get you on the podcast because I really want to grow the impact of what this show is doing. I'm getting a lot of great guests on here. Uh, we've been doing this now for what, two and a half years. I think I'm on episode. This is like episode 160. I think it is something like that. Um, so yeah, actually 155. So tonight is number 155, the raw and scripted show. So yeah, it's been a while when you think about 52 weeks a year. So yeah, a little over two and a half years, something like that. It's been amazing. You know, it, it's crazy. I saw some video footage of when I first started off doing the video cast. It was only a podcast before, but really, I think during COVID, I just started doing the video cast and I started doing it live just because I love the engagement, the interaction with you guys that are in the, in the comment section. And so I've been doing it, just watching how the stage has evolved, how my background has evolved, which you guys are always digging. So thank you very much. Every Zoom call I get on, everything, they're just like, holy shit, dude, you got a fucking killer background. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I'm all about right there is rock and roll, right? Got the crow picture over there. We got my book over there. We got some kick-ass memorabilia back there. Got my kick-ass unstoppable hat. We got my Ace Freely over here. So anyways, hey, you know what? It is great to be back because guess what? I've been in Facebook jail. I was in Facebook jail for three fucking weeks guess what i did hmm. you gotta guess what i did i got people like yeah man i've been in facebook jail too i didn't do shit i got hacked i got hacked they posted a bunch of pictures of isis on my site it was like it was crazy i had people calling me like dude you posted some fucking pictures i'm like what what no 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 um so yeah it was crazy so i was in there for three weeks i appealed to facebook they went and then I appealed to the appeals board. I got a, 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 an opportunity to, to appeal for every picture. It was like 14 pictures or something like that. I appealed to every one of those motherfuckers. Denied. We do not accept your case at this time. I literally put in the headline, I was hacked. Like you could look at the IP address and see that somebody logged in from Vietnam into my account and posted those fucking pictures. I received a threatening email as well. They tried to hack my website. They did hack my email and sent like 10,000 emails from one of my one of my main email accounts. So yeah, it's been fucking crazy, but it's crazy because I haven't been able to chance to connect with all you guys, right? I've been like, everybody's like, where's Chris? Where's Chris? He's not on Facebook. I'm like, well, I've been doing my show on YouTube and LinkedIn and figure, you know what the hell? So I know that I broadcast this show to the Ron and Scripted group. Also the kick-ass guide to life page, the master motivators page. Uh, so we're everywhere. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, I see I got a full house already. We got Kelly in the house. What's up, Kelly? Good to see you. Good to see you. We got my big sister from another Mr. Lynn Serrano in the house. Love you too. We got Robert Brooker in the house. Good evening. A little Nino Brown for some spice to prepare for tonight. Exactly, Robert. Uh, Jacqueline Rose is in the house. She says, hello, Christopher. Glad you are back. I am glad to be back. Lynn says, I missed you. We got Nelly in the house. Oh, please. They should know how people get hacked. Yes, that's so true. We got Deborah Hansen in the house. Thank you, Deborah. Deborah is the reason why we have our guest tonight. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Kelly says, oh, dang. Got Lucy in the house. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. She's all heads up, hands up. I think those are, I think that's like high five stuff, right? That's what we're doing. High five stuff. We got Ron, my brother from another mother. He says, so good to see you live again. It's good to be back, man. It's so good to be back. And, um, you know, I've got my guest backstage. She's getting prepared and whatnot. So um, I want to share something with you really quick. There's been a lot of stuff going on in the kick house, the kick ass house, I guess, if you will. So I want to share something with you that I'm uh, really proud of. I don't know if you guys saw earlier today, I was interviewed on bathrobe moments with, uh, with my buddy, Lauren Michaels Harris. And uh, sorry, I've got a cold. And uh, so I was interviewed with him six o'clock this morning on my time. Um, so I was interviewed with him, but uh, I am going to be speaking at uh, this amazing event. I want to share this uh, screen with you. Uh, whoops, no, not video file, dumbass. Um, this is how we produce our show, ladies and gentlemen. This is raw and unscripted. 
uh, share screen. So here we go. So this is um, where I'm going to be next week. I'm going to be April 28th, the power of we in Chicago, April 28th. That is next Thursday at the Stan Mansion. Um, so this is a pretty cool, this is a pretty cool opportunity for me because this guy right here is the organizer and normally he only offers the speaking opportunities to people that are within his coaching group. And so somehow I came across his radar. He wanted to interview me. He interviewed me afterwards. He's like, dude, I need you for the power. We, I said, I'm there, you know? And so this is going to be an amazing opportunity. But, uh, one of the things I want to bring out to your attention is I am going to be, um, not only speaking from stage, but I'm also going to be the uh, online MC for the event. So when you go to see tickets, you see the Power We Symposium. So they're 27 to 157. But when you go in here to the tickets, you guys can go with me to Chicago. So there's this thing called pay-per-view right here. 27 bucks, pay-per-view, pay full-day access. I'm going to be your MC for the entire event. So basically, I'm going to be coming from stage and saying, hey, you know, this is what's going on next. I might be interviewing people, talking to the kids. I'm not sure exactly how it's all going to flow. All I know is I'm going to be your man on the streets for the entire episode, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. So uh, go check that out. I'll put the uh, I'll put the link in the uh, in the comments right there. But yes, um, it's it's going to be a beautiful opportunity. So I'll be flying out to Chicago next uh, Wednesday and then coming back Friday. So looking forward to meeting some great people. I know Robert might be there. I know my brother Chris uh, Kaysen, who is usually watching the show, is going to be there. Jason Cisneros, uh, got Dom Fossett myself, another guy, Todd. So yeah, it's going to be a crazy opportunity for us just to have a great time. And it's all for the kids. It's all about um, helping the kids of the inner cities. And so it's, you know, near and dear to my heart. So you guys can all go check it out. I put the link in there in the, uh, so you can see it right there. Um, so yes, I just wanted to share. That's what we got going on. I'm also going to be featured in, um, leadership conference from Pamela Aubrey. Uh, so I will post that link in here as well. So you guys can check it out. That one's a free uh, conference where it was a bunch of us leadership speakers going on there and doing the summit. So if you guys are interested in hearing me talk about leadership, I will post that here in the links as well. Um, so anyways, last thing I want to brief you guys on before I um, bring on our, our awesome guest is uh, I'm going to give you guys a preemptive kind of just a tidbit sneak peek. I've been going through some shit for the last four days, four days. On Saturday, I decided to do something and I'm on day four of it. So I'm going to be releasing a couple of videos that I've been doing over the last couple of four days, but you won't want to miss it. It's basically me letting you inside of my life of me as I deal with something. So I want to be there for you guys. I want you guys to really know because I get people telling me like, Chris, it must be nice to be always so positive. It must be so nice to have so much energy and it must be so nice and all this other stuff in which I appreciate. But, you know, the God's honest truth is I suffer with depression, uh, anxiety, uh, sleeplessness. I have a whole different uh, things going on, obviously, but then also chronic pain and whatnot. So I've been on a journey. So I want to share that with you guys because I want to inspire you guys. I want you to know that we're all the same, no matter where we come from. And the fact that we can, you know, decide what it is that we're going to do with our bodies and our lives like that. You can just sit there and make a decision. And once you're there, you just decide that you're no longer that person. And that's pretty much something I decided on Saturday. I'm like, you know what? I'm just not that person anymore and stop doing something. So I'm going to take you on a journey with that. Uh, so I am a little hoarse today. I've been talking all day and I'm just kind of just a little bit out of sorts. So bear with me, ladies and gentlemen. We got my brother Lee in the house. He goes, love you, brother. I love you too. Lee knows what's up. Uh, he says, uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, I've been doing some videos over the last couple of days. So um, yes, 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 yes. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, uh, Kelly says here, she goes, shit, I got to go, but I'm so glad you're back. Come to Albuquerque. I'll come to Albuquerque. I'll go anywhere. You guys pay me to speak. I'll come fly out there. We'll have a blast. I'll buy you a drink. We'll have a good time. So, and speaking of good times, you know, we're not here for a long time, but we're here for a good time. So anyways, my guest tonight is uh, somebody I met recently. We had a quick uh, Zoom call. Somebody actually, Deborah Hansen, uh, referred her to me and said she'd be a great fit for the flow. Great fit for the show, uh, Ron and Scripted and all. So without uh, any further ado, let's please welcome to the Ron and Scripted show, Heather Condomitti. How are you doing, Heather? Good evening and welcome to the show. Oh, God, Chris, I'm doing, I'm great. But to be honest, I are you great? I'm so nervous to come on. I haven't um, actually been live with someone in a while. <laughs> Ooh, it's just like riding a bike. You just start pedaling and you figure it out. You get a little wobbly. Before you know it, the time will be up and you'll be like, holy shit. I know. That's when I'm like, I can do this. I got it. We just, <sighs> we just sit there yeah. and do. So Sometimes we take a shot. Sometimes, you know, I don't know. I just did a little meditation before this because I was like, yeah. all, as you can tell. 
Yeah, yeah. that's how I was feeling. I actually, I took, I took a bath before this and I actually did breath work in the bathtub. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. To the point where you hyperventilate and you get all fucking buzzed in your head. Oh no, no, no. Because my, I was already like, like vibrating on the inside. So I was doing more just like calming breath work. Oh, call me breath work. I had my first experience with breath work. Uh, where are we? Was it last year? I'm so lost with time. I think it was last year. It might've been earlier this year. I don't know. My buddy Scott, who I do my Friday night show with came out here and we hooked up with some people and they're like, Oh, we're going to do this breath work thing. And I'm like, all right. And I figure like, um, you know, right. And so they said this, set us into this apartment, right. Or this, yeah, this apartment. And there's, you know, things on the floor and whatnot. I'm like, what the fuck kind of breathing thing is this? Are we going to have an orgy or something? And so lay, lay down and like they have this guy on this, the, the internet. He's like this famous, you know, guy that does breath work and music. And, and he's like, and everybody's like, you know, relax, you know, whatever comes to you. And I'm like, whatever comes, what, what are we doing? I don't understand what we're doing. Nobody explained to me. Nobody did. And so they put on the music and they're like, okay, you know, you may feel like you're going to pass out. You may feel like you're going to have a heart attack. You may feel like this. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing right now? I'd done a little bit of shrooms the night before, just a little bit. So I was like, what the people got me into, right? What is going on? And so all of a sudden they get into it and they're doing, I'm doing the breathing, the I'm doing that. And all of a sudden I'm like, and I'm hearing people having all these experiences and screaming and crying. And I'm like, I can't stop breathing. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Sounds sounds fantastic. No. Yeah. Is that the um, kind of breath work that you do? Mm -mm. No, actually, because I work a lot with anxiety and stress, we avoid that type of breath work for the most part. Oh, yeah. um, breath work can be used for like an upregulation. So you can do a little bit of it if you need like that little shot of espresso in the morning or the middle of the day. But most of the work I do is working through trauma, through anxiety, through stress. So I don't use a lot of that holotropic, that, that breath work, right? Okay. Because it can really be overstimulating to the nervous system. A lot of old repressed shit can come out and it's just a fucking disaster. So I, I highly really recommend just, it though. I highly recommend it though. It, I mean, I actually I've do. Done it. I've it's, done it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's, I don't know, but anyways, so, um, so welcome to the show. Thank you very much Thank for being so here. Much. And uh, looking forward to it. And by the way, guys, you guys know out there in listener land, your land, you guys can ask us any questions as we're going through this. And please uh, continue to comment as you guys are liking stuff or want to engage with us. But uh, my first question for you tonight, Heather, is obviously all of us have been going through a lot. We're talking about stress and anxiety. I started the show talking about that. So the last couple of years have been, you know, a shit show for all of us. What have you learned about yourself and what have you learned about society during this last two years? Okay, well. That's a, that is a good question. And for me personally, you know, a little bit about my story. The last two years was my whole life actually got turned upside down. And, um, the quick backstory, cause there's a lot of new people I don't know here. I was in healthcare for almost 30 years. I was a paramedic for 15 years an ambulance chief worked on emergency services. And then I became an ICU nurse. That was the last 16 years of my life. ICU nursing, trauma, medical, neuro. That was it. Um, I got COVID which I now know is COVID. I got it in March of 2020 and I got so sick. Nobody really knew what was going on. Um, it was right before the pandemic hit the South. I live in Georgia um, and I got sick. And then like shit blew up, right? The unit I worked in became the COVID unit. I was hearing from my best friend all about it. And here my whole life just fucking ended. I lost my health. I lost my income. I lost my identity. I lost everything in a flash. And, you know, COVID leaves so many, it's like the gift that keeps giving, like the brain fog. I was, and it, it was such a horrible thing, Chris, but at the same time, it was such truly, I know this sounds hokey and we talk about that, it was like still a blessing in disguise, right? Mm -hmm. um, for like 10 years before that, I always wanted to go into coaching. That's what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, I was an alcoholic too. So that kind of, I got in my own way. Most of that, I was, I was, I was, I was that too. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got in my own way and cock blocked myself from living my best full life, but whatever. Um, so got COVID quit my job. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start my business. This is the universe saying, you know what? You wanted this. Here you go on a silver mm -hmm. fucking ladder. Go have at it. Yeah. So I was watching people struggle. I was struggling. I was struggling with depression. I was struggling with the brain fog. I was struggling with chronic fatigue and I couldn't get off the couch some days. 
and I'm trying to build a start a business. I'm trying to do these things. I'm going back to school to learn all about the nervous system now and polyvagal theory and all the trauma stuff. My right. brain's not working. I'm not feeling well. I don't know where the money's going to come from. It just was, it was a shit show. And I also was able to see how my friends, my nurse, my nursing friends were struggling so hard. Ooh. There was no support in the hospital for them. I just heard story after story. And I'm like, I, I need, I need to get my own shit together. I need to get my health better because I really want to be able to help these people. And it was heartbreaking watching what was unfolding, just the stress and the trauma. And there is, there's like residual trauma that we've experienced even after this. Oh yeah, after I can imagine. Lockdowns, losing family, losing friends, losing jobs. I'm in a support group for long COVID sufferers now, and there's over 50,000 people in that group. Whoa. And these are young people who have lost their jobs. Many are on the verge of suicide. They can't do the things they used to do. And my heart breaks for them. Oh yeah. So that, I, I, that kind of, I guess that answered uh, the question. So my life got turned upside down and um, really I've just been trying to navigate getting my health back. Um, trying to work through the brain fog today was not a great feeling day on the inside. Um, but what you said earlier, it's like, we have to make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. We have to choose. And that's what, that was a big thing is taking responsibility. You know, we have to take full responsibility for our lives and decide how we're going to show up because we, we can have either the moment define us or we get to define the moment. Oh yeah. Right. And just showing up in a way that you can look back and be really fucking proud of yourself. That's how we want to show up in life. Not mm. look back and say, fuck, I really, what the fuck was I doing? I really blew that <laughs> one. I should have on that one. Right. We do that. Mm. But um, to be able to look back at moments like this and, you know, I'm excited to see what you are going to be talking about too, because we have a choice. There's always a choice to be had. We might not like the choices that are in front of us, right. but we always have a choice. And we may not want the process of what the choice is going to entail, but we want the outcome. So it is always worth it. I was actually just doing a video today talking about what I was just talking about, which I won't talk about yet. And I was just doing a video today talking about that. It's like, you know what, you, you, you see something you're like, man, I, I don't want, I want to get to the other side, but I don't want to go through all that shit. But at the same time, it's like, I just, it's like fucking just go through it. And then you're on the other side and you're like, okay, I didn't want to go through that, but I'm glad I went through it because it made me a stronger person. Most definitely you keyed on, keyed in on something that, that, that I went through back in 2019 the universe showed up for me and I was in a corporate space for 26 years. My last company, I was at 26 years and incorporate, you know, fully successful, what I call comfortably miserable. And then I went into work one day after 26 years and they went, mm, we've downsized. We don't need your position anymore. And I was like, all right, I've been talking about doing this coaching and speaking thing and writing my book. I've been talking about it. I got money saved. I'm already, this is going to be go time. Little did I know how much of my identity was wrapped up into who I was at the job. And I, it took me about a, took me about a week, probably about two weeks where I was like, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, who am I? What? wait a minute, nobody needs me anymore. They, they're not calling me because the, all the, I mean, I left them. I thought there was so much stuff and I checked in with them and like, Hey guys, if you need anything, I told my team, I said, if you need anything, nope, crickets. And I was just like, Oh. And so then I was like starting the, the process of getting to know myself again. I was applying for jobs, wasn't getting anything. And the universe was just like, boot, dude, you need to do this stuff. And then all of a sudden March 20th hit and it was like, boom. So for me, like really figuring out who I was and who I wanted to be was super important. Talk to us about that identity process for you. I think I'm still going through it a little bit, to be honest. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a grief process. And just like grief, grief comes in waves. You know, we don't always know when it's going to hit us. Um, but I didn't realize how much of my identity was wrapped up in it because I was always really confident at my job and what I did. And like, you know, I, I knew my shit. I was good at it. People needed me. I was, you know, whatever. And when I didn't have that, I didn't really understand cognitively and like feeling in my body, I didn't understand how much of my identity was really wrapped up in that. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's all I've known. I was an EMT when I was 16 years old. I am 46. Like, wow. this is all I have known. So what do I do now? And even I've, you know, I've had coaches and I, I've, I've done the work. I do my inner work and I have coaches, all different kinds of support. And they're like, 
but you were always that same person. And you can hear that over and over again, but it feels much different on the inside. And I'm sure you experienced that too. Oh yeah. That, and it, it's really the process I had to learn is to, un, and really not just cognitively understand, but when we talk about that embodiment work is start to feel it that my identity yeah. is not a name. It is not a title. It's not all the degrees. It's not the college that I am my, I am just, I am who I am at the core my essence, my soul, my whatever. Um, and really my nursing degree was just a vehicle. Yeah. It's just a vehicle to do what I do to be an extension of, of who I am, but it's not who I am. Like being a coach, it's not who I am. It's an extension. It's the vehicle for me to make that impact, just like nursing. Um, and whatever else we identify with. So I'm really starting to finally, finally feel that. Nice. Finally feel it. And, you know, I don't know how long that process is going to take. It's constant daily work to remind myself when I'm feeling low, like, remember who the fuck I am and why the fuck I'm here. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a lot of just feeling that and realizing everything we do is simply a vehicle it's a vehicle for our purpose. That's it. It's just a vehicle. Like our body is literally just a vessel or a vehicle to do our soul's work. That's it. We're just a vessel. We're like a skin suit. A skin suit. Yeah. A, skin. Meat, a meat suit. That's what I call it. A meat right. suit. I want to grab some of these. I want to grab some of these comments real quick. Okay. Feel free to take a drink. Um, who we got? Wow. Everybody's going crazy over here. Um, duh, 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 duh. Let's see. Uh, Deborah says here, you are human and an inspiration. Uh, thank you. I'm sure she was talking about both of us. Um, let's see. We got, uh, we got Mark Gassard in the house. He says, just returning from umpiring a double header greetings, Chris and Heather. Thank you, Mark, for being here. Um, uh, we got Randy in the house. What's up, Randy he says, good evening. What's up? People are uh, saying their hellos. We got a family here that we call them the misfits for life of the <laughs> kick-ass nation. So misfits for life. We got Nellie in the house. She says, Christopher, you are sure that that breathing thing didn't add to your stress. Um, for you, it was uncomfortable. Yes. But I think that getting uncomfortable is, is a way of getting confidence. So, uh, let's see. He says, look out road warrior, Randy in the house. Um, uh, Nelly says here, I can relate in some ways to your story so far, Heather. So awesome. 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 Um, and let me see da, 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 what other, uh, a job is just over broke. Yeah. No jobs, no jobs. Those are bad. Those are bad. Um, Lee says here, Heather, I love what you are sharing. Thank you. Thank you, brother Lee. So when I think about, you know, that whole process thing, that identity thing, one of the things that I've used over the last couple of years is re-identifying my relationship with myself. So there's a couple of questions I have from that. But when I think about reevaluating my situation with myself, you know, leaving corporate, this might help you with your identity. I found out with my identity before it was a recipe for success. So what I did was prescriptive of what I knew in the corporate world to be successful. I knew if I did X, Y, and Z, I would get another raise, another more, more responsibilities, and I kept moving on up. Now, when I, when I came to work for myself and to be my you know, solo entrepreneur, basically with the coaching, the speaking and the shows and everything else, um, I started recognizing that it wasn't any longer about the outcomes and the results. It was more about the moments. And as I focus on the moments and I'm intentional with these moments, I don't find myself exasperated by the outcomes. I don't find myself necessarily overwhelmed by them because if I'm enjoying the moments and that's all we ever get, then I'm going to be satiated. I'm going to be like, man, I'm having a great conversation with Heather tonight. We got some beautiful people here tonight. I'm in a nice house. I get to spend time with my family after, you know, there's just so many things that I can focus on when I'm in the moment. If I'm in the outcomes, then I tend to be in my identity because I'm thinking about my ego and I'm trying to predict. Um, talk to us a little bit about that and how you, how you identify yourself and your aspect of what it is that you focus on most in your life. Oh, wow. Hmm. I love what you said. And, you know, I, I was, when you said that, it also, something hit me. I, I got it. I can't stand this. I don't know what's going on with this bun tonight, guys. It's all over the place. Um, bun on the run. Bun on the run. Um, you know, I realized too, that I was really, and I still am a little bit, I was truly like, I was living in survival mode. So when this happened, and you know the saying, you know, God doesn't give us more than we can handle, or the universe doesn't give us more than we can handle. That's actually a bunch of bullshit. I think got a sense of humor too. <laughs> it's a bunch of bullshit. We will be dealt way more than our nervous system is capable of handling. Absolutely. Um, and it can really send us into survival mode. And I realize now that I was really in survival mode with my health yeah. and, you know, not knowing the, the, 
pure level of safety that we would have. Where's the money going to come from? In this day and age, we need money. We need money to live. And that is like the foundation of safety. So I think for me, it was just really recognizing that I was truly in survival mode. And I do a lot of the nervous system work. And that's like the somatic work I do. But looking at the parts of identity, it was really going in and doing that parts work and rebuilding that inner relationship with my parts, the parts that are trying. And in, in the work I do, we call them parts work or like it might be. Uh, internal family systems or different names for inner child work, but really I yeah. somatic work and parts work. And it was really spending time in, in listening to those parts that are fearful or the parts that are scared of what's going to happen or the parts that are doubting it and understand now they're, I disidentify with them. So that helps me reclaim my true identity of who I am and understand that these parts, they still need to be acknowledged. And that's why we don't suppress emotions and, you know, just really allowing them to be expressed and sitting with them and not ignoring them, just giving them a voice. And once a lot of my own fears around this identity stuff came up and I was able to sit with them, they then quieted down. Nice. So doing that inner work and also a lot of nervous system work, (laughs) a lot, um, I do it daily. And that's like one of the biggest things I talk about is you've got to do your work daily, not just as a reactionary thing, Not just when triggered, not just when shit hits the fan, but do it on the good days because that's when you're more receptive of reprogramming, of reconditioning. It's not just when shit bad. So that's been a very um, big thing with with working through my own identity is doing this on the good days all day, every day. Mm. I love that. I love that. Thank you for answering that. I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. And I think for me, when I get grounded, when I, when I feel that nervousness and that, that anxiety coming on is I sit there and I just go and I think about my legacy. And every time when I wake up in the morning before my eyes open, I say what I'm grateful for. And then I say what my intentions are for the day. So that as I'm going through my intentions or as I'm going through my day, if I'm, if I'm finding myself all fucked up, then I'm like asking myself, is this what I intended to do today? Did I intend to get myself in a vicious cycle? Did I intend for this? So I start the day grounded, but also the thing I do as well is I keep my mind on the legacy that I want to live, leave. So for me, every day, the, the crux of my legacy was when I wrote my eulogy back in 2008. And the juxtaposition of it said, the, the, just, the gist of it said, I had two different words in my head, um, the two different words in my head um, was uh, Christopher Roush will have fought for what was right and what was fair. He will have risked forge that mattered and he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. So as I'm going through the day, if I find myself off in different circles, I'm like, Chris, are you doing things today that will fulfill your legacy if you should die in 10 minutes? Is, is somebody going to find what you were doing being conducive to that legacy? And if I answer yes, then I'm living in the moment and it's it's helping me. So for me, that happens to to take away some of the anxiety as I'm dealing with that stuff. But uh, what made you want to be a coach? You went from doing this thing that you're totally badass at. You've got so many years of experience and you're like, okay, now I want to go help people get their head out of their ass. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, I really, I loved, I loved, loved, loved being um, an ambulance chief because I did a lot of coaching in that anyway, just being a leader, stepping up in self-leadership. And I would never ask them to do what I wouldn't do, even if it was scrubbing a toilet. Like, that's just how I led the people I was with. And I really enjoyed it because I loved watching them grow. I loved watching the newbies and you know, blossom and grow and gain their confidence or when they had a really shitty call or a bad day, you know, to be able to be there and kind of coach them through it. So I think that was always part of it. And when I couldn't do bedside anymore, I still wanted to be able to help people. And I knew I loved working with trauma patients. Like that was one of my favorite. That's why I became a nurse. I loved it. And I'm like, how else can I do this? And that that's kind of how it, it came to me that I can do it this way. You know, I, I did the physical trauma. I helped the families deal with the trauma and coach them through making decisions as a nurse. Why can't I just help people? Because trauma, we all experience some sort of trauma. We all are affected by it. And I am a, I don't consider them big T's and little T's. I think that's very misleading. Um, I'm more interested in the subtle, the obscure trauma, the unmet childhood needs that show up as personality. Mm, The stuff that stops us, the the nuances in our personalities and under that. Like I can, I have this like uncanny ability to kind of go in there and and feel it and help them figure it out. 
So I think really being a medic, being a chief, being in management roles, being in leadership, I loved coaching. And now this is just another way. And I love what you said, because I don't have children. I'm an only child. My husband's an only child. We're in our forties. And I, for the longest time, I was like, what kind of legacy can I leave? I don't have kids. But I realize now when you said them, like, I've been thinking about this more and more. The legacy is the other people I reach and help because it's a ripple effect. So Unleash Your Roar is going to be the legacy. I'm going to leave that legacy behind of helping people heal their, their own trauma. And it creates this momentum for generations to follow. So when you said that, I'm like, I feel that deeply. And I didn't know how to navigate that at first. You're welcome. So, so when you think about trauma, actually, um, I want to see if you read this book. Oops. See if you read. This was unrehearsed. Unrehearsed. You read this book before? No. Um, I'll Ooh. be honest. Look, guys, I will be completely honest. It's a big book. It's a big, thick book. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, oh, I learned better. <laughs> I learned better by taking courses and being mentored by him and Peter Levine. And those are the courses I'm in now that I constantly am in. I learn better that way and we do practical. So I've not read it. I'll be honest. But you've heard of it. Oh yeah. I know it's a great book. Yeah, no, it really is. I've actually, I've got the reason why I'm reading it. I actually was listening to an audio book and I created a book group. Actually, one of the guys, uh, Lee's here, uh, I created a book study group. So we've actually been studying it because when I was listening to it, I was like, holy shit, you know, just the things they were talking about depression and anxiety and all the roots of, you know, a lot of the stuff that screws us up and causes that trauma. Talk to us about some maybe misunderstandings that we have about the conditioning process that happens as kids that create the personality that we have today. Oh, this I love it. This is like my favorite thing. So stop me if I'm just taking up too much time. It is honestly one of the things that right, I'll, I'll I'll just be like, okay, that's I'm good. Is that the stop sign? Um, it's just it is honestly so fascinating, and I totally geek out about this because we've all experienced it. So, in a nutshell, and this is the easiest way, and I I like to break the complex stuff down into really like simple, tangible, bite-sized stuff. Trauma happens, like we need this umbrella of safety, right? We have to have this umbrella of safety. I don't care about the hierarchy of needs or anything like that. We need this umbrella of safety, food, water, shelter. But under it, we also need connection and belonging. That means like to our caregivers. And then the other branch is our self-expression. That's through crying and through movement and things like that. When we don't, when as little kids, when we're trying to get our needs met, if there if there are parents are not attuned emotionally to our needs, if they're not attuned to themselves emotionally, if they're stressed out, if they're avoidant, if they're anxious, if they're stressed in the household and we're crying and we're crying and they don't meet our needs, we learn pretty quickly on that we are going to give up our self-expression to get our needs met by our caregivers. It is those missing experiences of feeling love, of feeling connected, of feeling accepted, even as an infant, that then translates into our attachment styles. Um, we can be anxious, we can be avoidant. We may feel not good enough. At a very early age as a baby, think about moms who are taught to let their babies cry it out. They know now that as a baby is crying, that self-expression, the authenticity, we have bio- two imperative, two biological imperatives, connection and authenticity. As we're crying, that's our authenticity. We are using our little baby voice. We're crying because we want our mom's booby or you know, a cuddle or whatever we want as a little tiny baby. Mom opens the door to look in. We're crying. We see mom. She shuts the door. In that instant, an abandonment and relational wound can develop. Yep. In that instant. We learn very early on. And sometimes if the baby starts crying louder and gets more frantic, then mom comes in that can then translate into like anxious attachments later that the more we try to like get validation and seek attachment and and love, you know, we're going to get more of it. And babies can also learn that sometimes when they just shut down and are quiet, then they get attention, then we can become more avoidant later on. So really the, the trauma happens, the shock to the young developing nervous system. They know now 12 generations back, they can track generational trauma, meaning that Whatever our ancestors experience, we are actually, I, I know it's epigenetics and things like that, but I'm break, like, it's just, we're, we're coded. It's like we have this like little sensor, this little sonar sensor, 
and we're much more hyper aware of whatever our ancestors viewed as trauma or traumatic. And not only are we more hyper aware without us knowing it, we also become more reactionary. It could be a look, it could be a sound, it could be a color, it could be a painting, it could be a tone of voice, doesn't matter. And um, so that's kind of it in a, in a nutshell, if you will, but it's just very fascinating. Also in utero, um, if your mom was stressed, like if she was carrying you and she was under stress, that's gonna affect you. you. You received all of those, that information and all those stress chemicals through the umbilical cord into your little tiny growing body and our nervous system is growing. And as children, we learn how to regulate our own emotions from our caregivers. Our nervous system needs that other nervous system to know that things are gonna be okay. So that's co-regulation. Co-regulation is that mutual benefiting experience between caregiver and infant. But if we don't have that, it creates a shock or a trauma to our developing nervous system. And they're understanding now that things labeled as like bipolar disorder or depression or anxiety or even, you know, multiple personality disorder, DID, that these are just these parts we fractal off in an attempt to survive. And depression and bipolar, it's when our nervous system is, is like slamming in and out of gears without using the clutch. So we're just like slamming into like overdrive and going crazy, manic, nervous system is all hyperactive, all the adrenaline, and then boom, it goes into shutdown. It goes into dorsal vagal. Then you're, you know, depressed and disconnected. So the really, and I love that psychotherapy and neuroscience and neurobiology is going that route now. Understand this is, we can't think our way out of these problems anymore. Right. It really has to be dealt with through the sensory level through the nervous system through these felt experiences so. that was that was that was brilliant that's basically exactly what we're learning in the book so spot on i love that so many different places to jump off there um and the what i think about what i want to know most let me think in in what you just said how can we as adults now, we're looking in hindsight, what are some methods that we can personally implement? And perhaps you want to talk about unleash your roar. Maybe this is an opportunity for that. What can we start to do and take responsibility for, for changing our perspective? We talked about the past, present, and the future. I think you talked about it earlier today in your, your live. You know, how can we shift our perspective about the past, present, and the future? For me, I look at, at as life happened for me. When I shifted my perspective about life happening to me and being homeless and, you know, all these different things, I was a victim. But when I said life was happening for me, I was able to shift my perspective and say, okay, everything that I've been through, every challenge that I've been through has made me the man I am today. And I know that every challenge that I will go through will make me a better person. And in turn, I will be able to be a better human for everybody else. So I look at it. I have a, I have a, sh a weird perspective about that what can we start to do? People are watching this and they're realizing, man, oh shit, you know, that sounds exactly like my childhood. I didn't get that validation, you know, and I found out that maybe I've been, you know, codependent in my relationships. What are some people, what are some things that people can actually uh, actively do to, to remedy this? That's a great question. And I, I do love your story too, and your perspective. And it, it's so spot on with really just taking that self-leadership. There are four I think pillars, if you will, um, that I think that are really important that really will help us be successful, whether it's in our own life or business or relationships, that is self-leadership. And first and foremost, and this ties into what you're asking, is first and foremost, take leadership of yourself. Step up and take leadership of your life. Second, um, it is learning emotional regulation and increasing emotional intelligence and vocabulary. That's part of it as well. Then also learning how to work with your nervous system, create greater nervous system flexibility so that you're not, you know, not triggered by the same stuff over and over again. Your family's not constantly pissing you off, um, that you have this greater window, this greater capacity to be with the really uncomfortable stuff and not like leave your fucking body like, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, just, I'm out. I'm out. I don't feel anything. I'm out. Because um, we do that when things are too much. We just leave. And then learning how to use attuned communication. That's just the term I came up with because it's tuning into, it's really understanding communication. Communication is a skill set. It is a skill set that we're not, it's not readily taught. It's not readily available. It's something that we really do have to work on. So what I would recommend and what I would just give some suggestions is just know you're all completely normal. 
I'm normal. Chris, you're normal. All of you amazing viewers, you're all fucking normal. Okay. We're all normal. We've had, you know, maybe even the, a lot of us have probably have like decent childhoods. We're like, well, I can't really think of anything that bad, but that's the thing. It's in these missing experiences. So I would say just start having awareness. Of course, I, I recommend that if you think this is really interfering, you know, with your own inner relationship and the relationship you have with others, I recommend, I really recommend working with somebody who does somatic work because everything is really stems from our body. Your thoughts start from your body, travel up to your mind, not the other way around. It creates a negative feedback loop, but we got to start working with these stored memories, these pre-verbal memories in the body. So I would say just start taking awareness noticing. And because oftentimes we don't know what we don't know. We're completely fucking unaware. It's just like, well, that's just the way I am. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was my dad. Oh, my, I'm just like my mom. Well, step back a little bit. Let's, yeah. And looking at it and recognizing, no, you know what? I can do something about it. This is my personality was created from this foundation, this inner relationship foundation. So just start with that awareness. Maybe looking at it from that different perspective of, oh, okay, I don't have to be like this. I don't have to be triggered by my family every time I see them. Or, you know, I don't have to keep pitting, picking shitty relationships one after another after another. Just recognizing it. But the key is also really holding yourself in compassion. Compassion means holding space without judgment for this. Because we all have our own shit. We're all human. We've all had some messy childhoods to some degree or another yeah I'm and about it. <laughs> it, to some degree or another so just noticing maybe if things aren't the way that you like them in your life and the other big thing take it this uh, this just came to me taking responsibility we spend so much time saying well if he wouldn't do that then i would this or she did that mm. or he did this and this story and my parents and this and that we spend so much fucking time worrying about what everyone else and trying to understand what everybody else is trying to do. And we completely stop trying to figure out why we feel the way we do. It's yeah. never about them. It's always about you. Always. The mirror, the mirror. <laughs> That's a hard pill to swallow. And it, it was for me because I like to tell my pain story over and over again to whoever would listen to it. And then one day I was like, uh, you know, it's a of no, I get to decide now how I'm in a relationship with my relationship with people. And that was also really key. So have awareness, guys. Just notice. Just notice that things aren't quite the way you like them. Notice that the inner critic that shows up or those those negative feelings. Just imagine them being little tiny parts, little parts showing up and start disidentifying with it. Like when you say, I'm, you know, I'm so mad, I'm whatever, right? Because then you're identifying. And I know this languaging sounds kind of silly and stupid at first, mm -hmm. but it make a difference. Something in me feels. When you start disidentifying with your inner critic, with the negative self-talk, with the behaviors and the emotions, you're going to start noticing a big difference. When you can start to be really, it's called self and presence. And just holding that presence and looking at these inner critics or these voices or these things coming up for you as simply a part. They're trying to keep you safe. And when someone gets reactive, you can then kind of start looking like, huh, they're really just you're scared. Like most times when we react, we're just a part of us is scared about something. Mm -hmm. We're scared about being rejected. We're scared about even if it seems like it's like a respect issue. No. People are really just scared about being rejected or abandoned or not seen or not heard. So I hope this just gives it a different perspective. You can start to maybe develop some awareness of your own characteristics. Realize that these are just parts of you. They're, they're not you. They're parts that are really scared and worried, trying to keep you safe. Yeah. They're just trying to keep you safe. And when other people are reacting, hold space for them. And I call holding space as the art of intimate disconnect. You are still in this intimate space with somebody, but yet you are disconnecting emotionally. You're disconnecting from your opinions, from your judgments. You're simply just witnessing without giving it meaning, without going into a story. So I, I hope this gives a little light. The, the deeper work that we do 
you know, that I do with my clients and I do in the membership is we do deeper experiential things. So you can start to feel and notice your own parts when they come up and start to really befriend them. One of the, I think the biggest, mis- second biggest mistake in this work first is not doing your work daily. On the, <laughs> the second one, and I just lost my train of thought, just went out the window. Okay. I have that same, I have that same issue. While you think about your train of thought, <clears throat> I love what you were saying. And what you brought up, what you brought up for me was, I think about me being the no excuses coach. What are some common excuses that you deal with with your clients and ways? What, what do you recommend for them to overcome them? I don't think it's so much, I'm, I'm really trying to, I don't think it's so much of an excuse, but I think I think we can be really afraid of feeling the stuff and a lot. I think the excuse would then be like, they don't really want to go deep. They don't really want to get with their feelings. Um, because many times, especially, especially females that there's a lot of rage. There's so much rage that is under some of our self doubt, some of our fear. And we're really a part of us is so afraid and judgmental of that rage. So I, it's more of not wanting to always go deep, not wanting to be honest. And because it's so uncomfortable to say, yeah, under that, that's fucking fist. <laughs> notice that they're, they, they're scared to go there. They're scared to feel. So I do spend a lot of time, and that's a caveat, guys, too, is before any of this work is done, we have to have good resources. We have to have resourcing, internal resources, external resources, really know how to use and access those resources when it gets too intense during a session. And a resource is a place in your body that just feels better. It just kind of feels more accessible. It feels maybe a little more open. Maybe it could be your feet. Maybe it's your hands. It's a place in your body that feels okay. That feels good enough because then we pendulate, we go between the resources and then the intense stuff. So if you try doing this on your own, work with resources, work with a practitioner. Um, and I think I remembered what I was going to say, and then I forgot again. <laughs> you and I are so alike. I do that all the time. And people, most people don't know it, but I'll sit there and I'll be like thinking of something. And also I'm like, I have no idea what I was just going to say. Cause you just like ADD on crack, but I want to go back to what you said earlier. And I want to give a book, rec- another book recommendation. I can't reach it from right now, but one of the things that I found out when you were talking about what you were talking about and the fact of our, you know, not being heard and seen as babies and whatnot. Um, I've been diagnosed with ADHD for, for eons now, like on the top scale, like, Oh my God. And we've tried all sorts of different medications. Most of them don't work. And my wife would sit there and say, Oh, your ADD always bugs me, you know, cause I would forget something or stuff wouldn't be complete. It was all this other stuff. Come to find out, I said, you know, why don't you find out if you're ADHD or something like that? Just kind of as a joke. And she took a test and she was off the charts and now she's, you know, seeking medication and whatnot. The thing I found out was I, I typed in one day, I typed in ADHD in marriage, just as, just as, just wanted to see what was up. And this great book came up, it was called ADHD in marriage. It was like how to really recognize how each one of us are doing things and going, you always do this. And it's not an intentional thing. It's just a reaction that we do based on all this conditioning process that would happen when we were kids. And I just want to share that with you because for me, it was just, it was phenomenal going through that experience and recognizing like, okay, when she does this, it's not, she's not like being lazy. She's not doing this. It's a fact that she's like, okay, I'm focused on the next day. I'm focused. I got to keep focused on the next thing. I got to keep focused on, I'll come back and deal with this later. And then they never come back to do it later. I'm triggered going, okay, why isn't everything neat and tidy? And I'm like, why are you keep doing this? But it's something that she doesn't recognize. So in reading this book, we both recognize that what we thought were triggers are actually just, you know, nuances of, of how we cope with things. So now that we're more aware of it, we can sit there and say, okay, listen, maybe make sure I do this, be more intentional. So I just want to share that with, in, in case you have to figure that out, but, and then we're going to figure out where they can get a hold of you. Cause it's already been, like I told you almost nearly an hour. Oh, did you remember? Right, well, guys, I'm working on a website. Don't have that yet, but. Now that I'm feeling better and my brain is starting to work a little bit better, I will be tackling that. But for now, everyone can find me on Facebook or Instagram. <laughs> we can, uh, yeah. Did you remember what you were going to say? We got Facebook.com, uh, Heather.PRZYBYS. Um, no, that's my old, old one. Oh, that's the one you put in the thingy. I did. Yeah. Um, and then we got, uh, <clears throat> is that the right email? Yeah, you can use that. That's fine. Yeah. So where, where, can they, where can they find you on Facebook? It's Heather N condomity. That's my business page and my personal profile, Heather 
N for Nicole Condomitty. Okay. We'll yeah. make sure we put that. We'll make sure we put that in the comments afterwards. But yeah, definitely wanted to make sure. What the hell? Eh. Somebody, somebody's uh, doing some weird shit on YouTube, apparently. Anyways, Nicole, Nicole, did I just call you Nicole? No, you said Heather, Nicole. That's right. Um, Heather, this has been an awesome conversation. I would love to have you back. And I'm sure we could find so many different things to talk about. But thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being Ron and scripted. Had a great conversation with you. I'm going to send you backstage. Don't go anywhere. And then right. we're going to conversate. Guys, in just a thank you so much for hanging out with us. It was awesome. You are awesome. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then I'm just going to close out the show. So don't go anywhere. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. There's 50 minutes of pure, raw, and unscripted pleasure for your ears. And let me just say, I've had a lot of guests on the show. And what I want to encourage you is if something spoke to you, go back and re-listen to it again and take notes. If you weren't taking notes on this stuff, you should be taking notes because what she dropped in there as far as the conditioning process and the reactions that we have and some of the insecurities that we have and the self-doubt all goes back to that conditioning process. And we have to definitely work with professionals. So connect with Heather and go through that experience and be able to really find out where it is that you were stuck, give a different perspective, a different meaning on that. And just imagine, just imagine how different your outlook your confidence, your results will be when you stop caring about that, when you stop having that as something that's holding you back based on a belief of victimness that you have about something that's happened in your past, work with professionals and be able to redesign how it is that you want to see your past, present, and your future to make sure that it's working for you. That's what I do as the No Excuses Coach is we sit there and take all those limiting beliefs, all that scarcity, all that doubt, all that fear of not being truly authentic with who you are, and we reshape all that shit. So that you just walk out every single day, you know who you are, you know who you're going to be remembered for, you set your intentions, you rock who you are, you fly your fucking freak flag, and you get shit on. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you have a kick-ass, unstoppable life. That's what I can do for you, the No Excuses Coach. But definitely, 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 we want you to connect with Heather, and we'll make sure after the show we'll put her uh, contact information in there so you guys can connect with her. But you guys have all been amazing tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so many comments. Robert, thank you so much for your comments. I will go back, and as always, I will read those. You know I do. Uh, we got Andrew Ripkiss in the house. What's up, Andrew? Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you for being here. Um, Deborah here, she says hurt people, hurt other people and healthy people spread health. Yes, Deborah, thank you so much. And thank you for, uh, introducing us to our guest tonight. I appreciate you. Andrew says here, have to be able to take the heat before you lead in the kitchen. So true. So true, brother. Um, Deborah says here, she says, I love your consistency and positivity, Christopher. You are welcome. It's uh, it's kind of a sickness of mine. I call myself a compulsive motivationalist. Um, so that's what's up. Uh, compulsive motivationalist. And uh, Robert says, I wrote a mini book in tonight's comments. Yes, you do. And all I can say, Robert, is you're great for my algorithm. I'm just kidding. You got, you're a rock star, dude. I hope I get to meet you next week. I know you have some stuff going on. But uh, Deborah Hansen says here, one way to avoid confrontation verbally is to remove the word. Words always, never, and should from your vocabulary. Oh, Deborah, you're speaking my words, sister. That's what's up. Yeah, always and never. Those are accusatory words. Those are inflammatory words. When you say that shit, that is bad. And definitely you should. That's another one. That's definite. I love that. Uh, Jacqueline Rose says, love the show. Everything you say resonates with me. Thank you very much, Jacqueline Rose. You continue to be in a kick-ass Irish badass and uh, continue shining your light, sister. So there we have the show. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that is the Raw and Scripted show for tonight. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I will also put the link to uh, subscribe to the podcast. So please, please, if you dig this stuff, please, if you, even if you just watch it here, just go and subscribe to my podcast. I want to impact more people. And I know that will raise the level of awareness through the URLs or not the URLs, the... um the Google analytics and all that shit. Sorry, my brain is farting right now. So anyways, I love you guys. Go out there and be brilliant and kick ass. And we'll see you next week on the Ron and Scripted Show. Peace. Peace, peace.